Hi, everyone. This is Jose Palomino, CEO of Value Prop and your host on Business Growth on Purpose. And our guest today is Steve Smith. Now, Steve is an expert coach, especially for owners who are looking to transition back into a little bit more hands-on role in their business because they either want to grow the business, take it in a different direction, or maybe rescue it. Whatever those reasons are, Steve's the guy who helps owners figure that out and figure out ways to connect with their people to create great results and to do business growth on purpose. So without further ado, let's welcome Steve to our show. Welcome, Steve, to Business Growth on Purpose. Thanks for having me, Jose. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. So for our audience, if you could just give us a little context, Steve, on what you do and who you do it for. Okay, I have a business coaching company here in Orange County, California, and my clients are people who own businesses established and over the years have just drifted from the business. The market things have changed, employees have changed, and they just kind of find themselves on the outside looking in. And what they really want to do is get reconnected with their role so they can move their business forward. Wow. So that's interesting, right? So just the the idea of an established business, you could at the leadership level drift from the day to day, right? Yes. Because I guess you did a good job putting some things in place and it's kind of running. Yes. But what, what is it that uh, makes it, I'm assuming mostly owner, an owner operator, right? So, you know, owner, CEO, what are the signals that tell them, Hey, this isn't quite what I had in mind. This is something, I, I, you know, even before they know they need to talk to you, what is it that you are hearing is not settled in, you know, in their gut that's telling them this, there's a problem here? All right. So most companies, as they move from maybe startup into stable, into established, that, you know, they hit, they hit bumps in the road and things come at them that they didn't expect. But, you know, in the early stages, you're all filled, you're filled with excitement about what you're trying to accomplish. So you kind of persevere and you move through it. And at some point that stops, people become comfortable with their surroundings. Maybe they've hired some, some people around them that are taking care of things. They, they don't tend to get quite as hands-on with the business and, and you should be moving in that direction. But along the way, if the business stalls, you know, or it takes a left turn and it, it starts to stagnate, Sometimes they can get comfortable with that. They don't necessarily like it. They wish it was different, but they've learned to live with it because they're not motivated to work harder to get around it or fix it. And when they start to realize that the business isn't doing what they always wanted it to do or thought it would do, and they've come to the realize that the reason for that is because they've stopped engaging, that's when I get the phone calls. Wow. So that, that takes a, a really like a, an honest moment for people to realize that I, I got to get back in this. Because I could definitely see where an owner could have the business going at a point where, you know, I'm taking Fridays off. Yeah, and, yes. <laughs> right. And I'm not coming back on Monday either. <laughs> I'll come back on Monday either. Right. Right. And as long as, you know, as long as uh, profitability is there and things are in the banks happy, I'm kind of happy. But to your point, maybe it's not as strong or you start getting concerned like now, right now we're at this weird period of time, the last two, three years. Right. And now we're also entering into this uh, period of, you know, who knows what the next year or two is going to look like, um, where there could be some real concerns. All right. So they reach out to you. And, and I'm just kind of curious, how do they frame, like, when they ask you to help, how do they frame the request? All right. Well, this is the most interesting part of this, because what I've also learned in my own efforts to figure out 
you know, when people finally get to me, what did that journey look like? Okay. And what I get, what I hear over and over again is they weren't the first persons to figure this out. They usually had someone in their inner circle. Okay. If it's a family business, it might've been a spouse. If it's a mid-cap size business, it might have been some trusted member on their their management team, you know, the the team that's right below them that reports up to them. Or it could have been just a a colleague slash mentor that's in their business community that has kind of been on the outside watching this and saying, you know, maybe it's time you look for someone to help you get past this. Whatever it is that's in your way that you either can't get over or you've just decided you just don't want to fight anymore. And so when they call me, that's usually how it starts. You know, I've been, it's been suggested that I find a business coach. Now, here's the other thing. There was a family intervention. They said, (laughs) yeah, get back to work. (laughs) Right. Um, But, but here's the other thing that's weird because um, in my marketing, you know, I I do a lot of online marketing and I do a lot of networking. Mm -hmm. And there's some people that I network with that tell me that their whole business is nothing but referrals. Mm -hmm. Well, what I've realized in my work is that Many times the people, the owners that finally get to this recognition that they need to get some outside help, they don't know anybody. Hmm. They don't know any, nobody in their inner circle knows anybody. So they just go out on Google and they just type in business coach and there I show up. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've gotten clients just because they found me and they decided to call and we had a great conversation and it led to us working together. That's fascinating, right? Because, but that tells you that the need had escalated to the point where they needed to take action right, right. They had to do yes something okay right so all right so they're trying to get back in it's if it were easy they wouldn't have called you so they're they're dealing with <laughs> right. some impediment to make that transition yes kind of back into the driver's seat maybe you know so so what do you see as some of or what are you hearing are some of the main bumps on the road to like you know j- just strap back in and get back to where you were five years ago it doesn't just happen so easily No, it doesn't. And usually the thing that's driving the situation they've got into is because over time, they've ceded over control and responsibility to a lot of other people. And again, you know, in a perfect world, if you're looking to build up a business that will run by itself, you're kind of going that way anyway. Right. The problem is once they've ceded all that control over, they've kind of lost their way. What is my role now? What should I be doing as the CEO of this company? Because everybody else below me is now taking care of the details. So the, in a desperate ploy to try to get re-engaged with a company, they try to get back in and take some of that control back. And now people are fighting them over it. Yeah, because you let the, you let the, you let the kids run the restaurant for the right. last three years. Right. And also you show up and say, well, wait a second, that's not how we make the pasta. That's right. how you make the pasta. It's right. not but the most it, welcome intrusion. Absolutely. And so they get this feeling of like standing in front of the restaurant on the sidewalk with their hands and their nose on the window looking in, but not really being able to have any impact with what's going on inside. Wow. Well, you know, so so let's let's just take a moment and look at the other side of that equation, which is that, that team, that staff that has been you know, basically pulling the heavy weight mm-hmm. the last couple of years, doing what they were asked to do. Mm-hmm. And now Bob or Mary decides she needs to get back into the corner office. Right. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of a, well, we're, you know, what do we chop liver? Didn't we do what you asked us to do? Right. I mean, I'm just curious, what are some of, what are some of the things on the other side of that transition? You know, the, the people that are also affected by that, that change. Um. The problem, and this is one that happens quite regularly, 
is when you when you've kind of distanced yourself from the day to day, unless you've left a foundation and a culture which is really strong and everybody is aligned with and buys into and is trying to perpetuate, in the absence of that, what you end up having is usually one individual that's got some level of rank mm -hmm. that starts to go rogue. And they start making up their own rules and they start doing their own thing and they change the recipes and they do things like that because there's nobody there holding them accountable or telling them there's boundaries to what they can do. And so the owner may actually see this going on, but now feel completely powerless to stop it because they've, they've distanced themselves and people on the inside are seeing what's going on, but they don't realize the owner anymore because the owner's not around half the time. They're looking at the person that's calling the shots every day. Well, so, and, I've, and I've even seen scenarios where you, it's subtle, but it's real, where they go, that's just Jack. Don't worry about Jack. He, he, just, <laughs> right. yes. you know, he likes to come in on Wednesdays and just yes. answer Jack's question, but don't worry. We know what's going on. Jack and, has become irrelevant in his own business. Which is tough if you're yes. Jack. <laughs> yes, but it happens. It happens a lot. And it's the kind of thing that, that the client community they serve unless some people in that community are really personally tied to Jack, mm -hmm. they never see going down. Right. So now there's a thought, you know, I've certainly people in the, in the exit community, right. Valuations, things like that. And also way back to Michael Gerber and the E-myth, right. Right. Yes. That somebody listening to this could say, wait, 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 hold on a moment. What you're describing here, Steve, is what I've been told by everybody that I should be striving to, to become virtually irrelevant to the business so that it becomes my cash, my ATM machine. Yes. And now you're telling me that I have to get back into the ATM machine. So, so explain that dichotomy a little bit. All right. And I, I love Michael Gerber's book series. I think that should be required reading for anybody that goes through MBA school because it had some massive revelations in it about the stuff that we're talking about here. The area that I kind of kind of divide myself from from a philosophy standpoint is, yes, you should be looking to work yourself out of a job, but you should not be working to completely disconnect yourself from the entity that you started or you had some hand in getting to where it is today. There has to be some over, you know, kind of high level impact that mm -hmm. guides that company, even if you're not in the weeds doing it so that people realize that the, the company has direction and it has boundaries and it's going to be safe from being taken over or completely dismantled by people in high level positions that are just poor at leadership or poor at manage, management. So in, in many ways, it almost feels like that owner role, they, they need a new, like, and I think what you help people with is redefining that role. Yes. So, so because, you know, what it used to be is I did a lot, I made all the key decisions and everything ran through my desk. Right. So now after a lot of struggles and so on, maybe a couple of years, I transitioned to, I have a leadership team. Now they, it goes through their desk, but now I'm, I can't golf five days a week. So, well, some people I know could, but most <laughs> people you know, at some point, even that gets tedious, right? Yes. So, and then, and the business is not quite doing as well as I thought it would do what I needed to do, frankly. So this new role of being more of a, maybe a strategic visionary or something like that, that's, that's a new role. They didn't have to do that before because before they were actually making the spaghetti. Yes. And that, with that, and, and I actually have two clients now that I've been working with fairly closely on this very concept. And it's the whole idea of changing your, your focus. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I've got this, this little kind of a, a saying that the higher up the ladder you go, the more the equation between strategic focus and tactical focus needs to change. Mm-hmm. So if you're at like a supervisory level, you're one level above the people that are actually providing the service, you know, you're probably 70% tactical and 30% strategic. Your, your focus is really on what's going on now and are we getting things done? But at a CEO level, you should be 80% strategic and 20% tactical. You should be looking out the front windshield miles down the road and saying, what are we headed into? Mm-hmm. What do I need to help the organization do to prepare for what I see coming? Right. And, and so that transition in, in some of the situations you described, they went like they got off the ladder. So right. right. They left the building. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So now they got to get back in. And all right. So so one of the things we talked about before we actually uh, went live with the with with this with this uh, podcast episode is uh, the thought that things are also different to some degree generationally. And I know a lot of people kind of quote truisms about the generations. And, you know, I guess you go back to like the Greek philosophers. They would talk about the younger generation. Right. So so it's an right. eternal thing. Right. Things. Right. Are- yes. But what are some particular things that you help leaders do well, given the fact that we're coming out of COVID, we're entering into new uncertainties, the, clearly the work expectation, work-life balance, all those things are changing, workers are changing. What are, some, what are some of the things you have to help people navigate so they can be successful in light of those things are like meta, they're going to happen anyway. All right. So one of the biggest things that causes a business owner over time to feel somewhat out of touch with is to look at their org chart or look around their office and all of a sudden recognize that the people that are in their business that they may not have hired, maybe the manager in that department is hired, look more like their kids than like the people they grew up with. Mm. And so that can immediately create a lot of anxiety because it's like, okay, I don't know these folks. I know they don't think the way I do. They certainly didn't come up the way I did. So there's this feeling that somebody's out of touch. And, and of course, you always default to yourself. You know, it's, it's not me, it's them. Right. And so a lot of times what we have to do is go back and I say, look, I want you to sit with each one of your people over some period of time, four or six months. You know, it doesn't have to be all in one week. And I want you to learn three things, three very specific things from each person, Okay you know, what motivates them? You know, what's the one thing they need the most help with? And what are they aspiring to become? One of the things as owners, when you hire people to do work on your behalf, sometimes you forget that the people you hire, they have their own career aspirations. That, you know, just because they're working in that role now doesn't mean they want to be there for the rest of their life. You mean the pinnacle of achievement wasn't working for you. (laughs) (laughs) But the more you know about that and can partner with them, on helping them achieve their own goals, the more loyalty they're going to show you. And that's what gets you through a lot of these pandemic situations where all of a sudden I can't manage them because they're not sitting in the office with me. Now they're at home and I don't know what they're doing. Well, if you really know who they are and what motivates them and what what makes them really want to attack the job and where they're trying to go, then it doesn't matter how much distance you have between. You've got a you've got a, a an emotional mental connection where they know you've got their back, you know, their back at stuff, and right. you know that they're going to show up and give you their best effort. Right. Well, that's that's interesting. You know, just to let's face it, a lot of uh, 
managers generally, and I think owners maybe even more specifically, aren't the best at like the people management stuff. No. Right. And they often don't, even the people they trust to be second in command, that kind of thing, are often people that had a lot of like either industry or technical knowledge on what they do, but also not great people stuff managers. Right. So, and, and, and you know, it's easy to dismiss it. Well, that's all that. That's big company stuff. That's like HR touchy feely stuff. And, and yet it really isn't right. Because it's about people. <laughs> So how do you help people kind of bridge that gap in a way that feels practical to them? That doesn't feel like, okay, I got to just start all over because that's discouraging if I got to start from scratch. Okay. The probably, and, and anybody listening to your program, they can do this today. All right. Today. So listen today. closely today. Right. Stop going out on the floor. And I use the floor kind of metaphorically. Okay. Mm -hmm. And just interjecting yourself and telling people what to do mm. or calling them out because they're doing something you think is wrong, even though they may have been trained that way by somebody else. Stop doing all that. Start visiting up with people and just simply asking questions about how are they doing? How are they finding the job? Okay. They've been in it for six months now. Is there anything they would do different? Because they obviously know what's going on. They're handling it. Mm -hmm. Ask inquisitive questions to learn what people are thinking and seeing, because I'll tell you what, if you learn how to ask good questions, people love talking about what they're doing and you can learn a lot. You don't have to say anything. All you have to do is listen and you can build massive bonds with people over a fairly short period of time because what that demonstrates is you care about what they're doing. And if they're doing good stuff and you acknowledge them for that, now you've, you've actually showed them that you really care about the good work they're doing. And you can build massive points in a short period of time by just making that fundamental communication change. You know, that's, that's so interesting because sometimes it's little things like I've seen, I've seen companies, you know, $20 million companies say, well, you know, we got to save money. So we're canceling the coffee service or something that really, you know, <laughs> right. or, or we're canceling the water deliveries. I'm thinking like, no really? more muffins for you. <laughs> yeah, I said, that, that's really your best answer. You know, right. how about, how about let's create more value and, and make more margin and, and let's 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 solve it on the top line, not not necessarily on the backs of our workers. Right. But it's it's small thinking is very, very typical. The other thing, too, is doing what you just suggested, Steve, you know, all of a sudden somebody says, well, you know, if you want to know what would help me, yeah, I want to know. And, and they say, well, you know, uh, the other the other station, they always deliver their work to us in pieces. It'd be really helpful if they stacked it a certain way. Why is that? Well, because then I can immediately go and do this and this and I'd be done in half the time. And also you, it's a small win. It didn't take anything to do it. Right. But you also create that sense of trust starts, starts happening. It seems. Okay. To so do you remember a guy from the early seventies? He was a management guru. His name was Tom Peters. Of course. He coined the phrase management by walking around. And this is the exact same principle. If you're out and about just checking in on people, do it by showing interest in what they're doing, not by legislating what you think they should be doing that they're not doing. But that also means you have to have the discipline that if somebody says, well, I'm doing it this way, I'm doing, I'm turning the, you know, I'm turning the stack sideways instead of, you know, to the left instead of to the right, just to make it, make the point. And you're thinking, well, my dad taught me it's from the right and I should do, you know, instead you don't really have to offer that opinion. You just go, okay, you know, duly noted because maybe it doesn't make a difference. Right. Your point is if you're there as, oh, here's Jack again, policing us, telling us, all of a sudden 
people, you don't want to be the guy that nobody wants walking around. Yes. Yes. And I frequently get people who struggle with building relationships with different people in their organization. And my first question is, do you think it's a problem of accessibility or approachability? Because sometimes they just, there's no access. They're in there, they're out in the field, they're running 100 miles an hour when they're in the office, their door shut. You can never get access to them. But that's usually not the real problem. The real problem is kind of going to what you just said. It's, are they approachable? Do people actually want to have a conversation or are they afraid if they, they ignite one, they're going to get this blowback that they just don't, they know it's coming and they don't want to deal with it. So they just avoid the whole conversation. I love that accessibility versus approachability. And it's such right. a huge, I mean, that's a good way. To, I mean, even raising kids and stuff, it's, it's a, it's a good principle, right? <laughs> right. It works. It's, it's amazing where it works, you know? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well that's great. Well, so, you know, as we, as we get closer to our time here, Steve, I did want to ask you, you know, just because again, you are coaching owners and you're, you're in this space. Uh, the last two, three years have been pretty rugged for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Some business was booming, but it was still rugged because of, you know, not being able to find workers and so on. As you look out in, and again, not your crystal ball because nobody has the crystal ball, but you know, you, you right. have a thought and opinion. If you look out over the next year or two, what do you think are some of the key challenges owners are going to have to wrestle with to be successful? I think one of the biggest ones is a lot of companies are going to have to really take a serious look at the model that they've built for their company and recognize that if it's worked the last 30 years, it doesn't mean it's going to create the opportunities and the growth they expect going forward. A big part of that is the workforce. You know, the, a lot of companies are, are kind of being a little more forceful with asking people to come back to the office. And some people are, but a lot of people are still trying to hold out. I don't know that it will ever be back to 80% or 100% or wherever it was before, but I think management has got to change in terms of how they, how they develop that level of trust to get work out of people that they might not see for two weeks. And that's hard for people who have learned how to just walk through the office and look at what's on people's desks and kind of make the assumption that they're working because they're up to their eyeballs and stuff. Right. You know, that, that there's no measure of productivity in that at all, but it just gives you that comfort feeling that they're in it because there's stuff all over their desk. Right. Well, when they're at home, you don't know what their desk looks like. Now you can't even have these spontaneous conversations about problem solving or asking for opinions because you have to make, you have to make a, an arrangement you know, through, your, through your, uh, your calendar to get on Zoom. So communications have really been c- constricted. You know, it's not the spontaneous environment before. It, and now it has to be purposeful and planned to, to, to get some margin of back and forth between the manager and the team. And a lot of people are struggling with that. And so, you know what happens? They give up and they stop communicating. And then they start wondering in the back of their head, gee, is this person working? What are they doing today? That's the worst place to go because there is no good end to that. There's no good end to that. So it leads to your, it leads to that like uh, Thursday afternoon phone call to that person saying, what are you doing now? Right. Yes. Which (laughs) also makes the person flustered. and, and, And even if they've been working really hard, they feel like they got, busted somehow. Right. I mean, if you're going to make that call on Thursday, you should be after you get done with the, you know, with the small talk, you should say, what are you involved in now that I can help you get through? That's, you know, 
be the resource, even though you're the guy at the top, right? If people recognize that you're a resource and you can help get rid of blockages that are preventing them from doing their work, you will never have to worry about people picking up the phone. That's awesome. I love that, Steve. And on that note, we're we're out of time right now, but you know, I'm sure people listening might say, Well, gee, this sounds really interesting. So, Steve. Where should they go to find more, uh, find out more about you and even how to contact you? The best place for people to go is my website, which is growth, G-R-O-W-T-H, growthsourcecoaching.com. Uh, my email's in the contact area. My phone number's on every page. I've got plenty of videos talking about things that I do and, and other information that will either tell them it's worth them contacting me, or maybe they're looking for a different fit. And I'm Okay. Because uh, coaching is a very personal interaction, so they need to be comfortable. But once they figure that out, they can reach me from there, and we can set up a time to chat. Fantastic. Steve Smith, thank you so much for stopping by Business Growth on Purpose. We appreciate it. Jose, thanks for having me. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.